connected and stay with us during, uh, during these times of, of online-only church. We want to make sure that we are uh, doing our thing, um, doing our thing as far as uh, our, our due diligence in uh, social distancing. And we will... Don't forget also about um, being faithful in your giving. Uh, on the screen, if you're watching on Faith Life, you can uh, mail your tithes in and offerings to P.O. Box 1436, Hermitage, PA, or you can give online at gsnas.org. Thank you for being faithful in your giving, uh, to be honest with you, and, and I appreciate this, uh, your faithfulness in giving. Uh, we have not really missed a beat, so um, your faithfulness in giving has been crucial um, the church building is closed, right, for all access, but there are still bills, still things to take care of. So if you're preparing your hearts for giving, let me pray over you right quick. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver. Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you do give us. And Lord, we give back out of faithfulness and obedience to you. And God, I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver and that it might change things in this world for kingdom building all around the world, places we can't go, through our church, through our denomination. God, we give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As I step through the lyrics to the song we had this morning, um, I want to preach to you this morning um, about uh, the subject called Don't Miss It. The subject of Don't Miss It. Don't miss it. Uh, we like to say around here that if you if you miss a certain activity or you don't make it to a certain thing, you know what we always say, right? If you weren't there, you missed it, right? And I can hear you saying that and, and commenting in, in the comments on that. Uh, yeah, you missed it. If you weren't here, you missed it. And uh, I want to preach this morning from the subject of you missed it. Uh, sometimes on the journey, on life's journey, you become so familiar with things that you don't even notice them. Uh, they can be right there in front of you and you don't even notice it. Uh, for those of you that know me, you know I grew up about 25, 30 miles from uh, Philadelphia, PA. And sometimes people ask me, hey, what was it like growing up so close to such a historic and beautiful place? And I'd say, you know, well, I never really thought about it. You know, when I, when I was a kid, it wasn't really a thing. It was just down just to center city Philly and that was a thing. We didn't really see it. And the, the point of the illustration, though, is that sometimes you can be so close. You know, the other night, my, my daughter, Bria, asked me, hey, dad, what's that on your arm? And she was talking about the little piece of pencil that I have stuck in my arm since the fourth grade. And, 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 and I, I, Mike McGorry, if you're watching this podcast or this broadcast, uh, it's still there, my friend. It's just a little mark that's still in my arm since the fourth grade, but it's been there her whole life, and she never really thought about it or noticed it. But um, some things can be right in front of you, so close, and yet remain unnoticed, so imminent, so invisible. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. So let's go on the road. You ready to go on the road this morning? Say amen. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, verse 13 through 24. You have your a version of the scriptures in front of you. Go ahead and open that up. We're used to having the screens behind us and it all back there, but now's a good time to get to know your Bible again. Amen. It said, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. 
but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked, hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him, verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. They didn't see him. Now Jesus has only 40 days. He's risen from the dead. He's resurrected just like he said he was going to do. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he gave the devil a big black eye when the stone was rolled away. And now all of the demons in hell are trembling because the temple they thought they had destroyed has rebuilt himself just like he said he would. He is risen. The women went to the tomb on Sunday morning. They brought some spices, but they wouldn't need them because the angel said to the woman, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? We talked about that last, last Sunday during Easter service. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? See, sometimes we miss it. Maybe we are missing the presence and the power of God, the resurrection power of God, the redemptive power of God, the restoration power of God, and the redeeming power of God because we're searching in the wrong places. They were looking for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Why are you looking for a God, for a living God in a dead place? A dead relationship, a dead text, a dead... A dead Facebook page, a dead whatever. Why do you look for the living God in dead things? Why do you look for God in dead religion, dormant religion? Why are you looking for the living among dead things? Sometimes we miss it. He's alive and he is real. And the presence of God is not meant to be an add-on or an accessory, but it's meant to be the operating system of life of anyone who will choose to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Bible says, that Jesus is Lord. God has raised him from the dead. He has risen from the dead, and he has to get the message out. He's got to get on the road, because he only has 40 days. He's about to be taken up into heaven, and if you read ahead, you'll see that he's about to be taken up into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, from Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. He has to go and show the world that he's living, so they'll believe the truth and the power of his resurrection. He's got to get going. 40 days. So what will he do first if he wants to reveal himself to the world and let them see the truth that he is the Son of God? He is who he said he is. And the fact that death couldn't hold him and the grave couldn't keep him and the tomb was borrowed because it wasn't needed for very long. What was he going to do? Where would he go? What would he do? Maybe he gets a, a, a huge social media campaign. Does he do that? Does he put a post out there on every, every platform that there is? Does he choose the most influential leaders and gather them to get the word out? Does he send a big group text in his own way? I don't know how they do it. Chisel something, write on some papyrus. I don't know what they do. 
But I wonder what Jesus is ready to do to tell the world that he's defeated death. You might be surprised. What Jesus does next is, well, he goes for a walk. And what I want to ask you this morning is, will you walk with me through the scriptures? Will you walk with me through the passage of scripture where we join two travelers who as of yet remain nameless? Jesus on the day of his resurrection with only 40 days to spare to tell the world that he is God and convince them with many signs and truths appears to two travelers whose names we have never seen before in scripture. I mean, I mean, at least, at least go to Bartholomew or, or James. I've heard of those two guys. But these are two travelers, just like you and me, walking along. And they were headed toward a village called Emmaus. They were just walking along. Now, if you go to visit Emmaus and you go to visit this place, they take you on a tour. They will tell you that this is Emmaus, or at least this is where we think Emmaus is. Because it's kind of an insignificant town. There wasn't a whole lot to mention uh, archaeologically. There wasn't a whole lot of, of things to, 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 to mark out. Emmaus on a map. So why would Jesus go to a place that wasn't even significant enough in its day to be known in modernity or to be pointed out on a map today? Because we look for places, we look for God in places that everyone recognizes, right? But instead, he goes on this little dirt road, this tiny little road, one that they say he might have he might have actually walked on this tiny little road and he meets up with these two people, and they're walking toward this town in Emmaus. Now remember, Jesus died in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that was the place where the Passover feast had just been celebrated. Jerusalem was the place where the promised Holy Spirit was to come. Jerusalem, Jesus actually leaves the place where the Spirit is coming to follow two people, and we don't even know who they are yet. What kind of God is this who would speak to us in unsuspecting places? What kind of God is this who would speak to you this morning, even over this live stream, and bring you to a place at this moment? Well, these two men are walking along on the same day that Jesus got up from the grave. And picture it in your mind. Two things are happening here at once. The eternal word of God, who was in the beginning with God, the fullness of his glory, full of grace and truth, has trampled death, sin and hell, and the grave, made a mockery of Satan, and those who handed him over are now soon to bow down and worship him. Every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God has exalted Jesus to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name. That is happening. And now these two unnamed people, and believe it or not, most scholars, as I found, uh, believe that this is probably a husband and wife. In a minute, we get the guy's name, but we don't get the women, woman's name because in Bible times, you know, they didn't really treat women. You know, they were, well, pretty overlooked, unfortunately. But that's the kind of people that Jesus liked, the people who were overlooked. Remember, he would work a miracle with a little kid's lunch. In their math, kids didn't matter too much. But in Jesus' math, that's where the multiplication was. In the hands of the one everybody else walked past. And I'm just saying that because you might think you can only go on this journey if you've got it together, if you're perfect. 
You might think you can only go on this journey if your life is profound, that God can only use you if everybody knows you, because we worship the idol of fame in this age. But the famous one, the name above every name, meets with two previously unnamed travelers, and only because he met with them do they know that the name of the man was Cleopas. Cleopas. They're walking to this village called Emmaus, a village that nobody even knows where it is today. I mean, they can only guess where it is. They're going toward Emmaus. Why would Jesus make one of his first resurrection appearances headed away from where the Holy Spirit was about to fall toward a place that really no one would even remember? Hmm. Could it be possible that we look for God in the destination, but he's actually the God of the detour? He's the God of the detour. Trying to tell you that the perfect, flawless Son of God headed away from Jerusalem, set out on a road to an unknown place, followed two people we never met before because he's not the God of arrival. He's the God of the first step and the second step. He's with me step by step, not necessarily to the destination he meets me. He meets me along the way. He meets me when I'm right He meets me when I'm wrong. He meets me when I'm going forward. He meets me when I'm stuck. He meets me when I'm in stride. He meets me when I'm crawling. He's with me when I'm strong. He's with me when I'm weak. He walks with me and he talks with me. Remember, they're walking the wrong way. Remember, if they really believed that that this was the Jesus, the, the Messiah, and he was raised from the dead, they would have stayed in Jerusalem, but they didn't. God followed them to the wrong place because oftentimes grace will chase you down. And that's why we sang this morning, Reckless Love, because the overwhelming love of God will sometimes chase you down. And what I mean about that is, did you ever get curious about God, then all of a sudden you can't get away from him? It's like like when you buy a new car, and and you never even thought about those cars before, but you bought one, and now that car is the one you see on the road all over the place. You think, boy, there's a lot of these Nissans on the road, because you have one. And that's the thing. You know, we look for God in the dramatic, but he hides in the details. God will meet you on the detour parts of your journey, the parts you didn't ask for, plan for, or pack for. This coronavirus that we're dealing with, this, this stay at home, don't go out, stay, stay confined. It's a detour. And people will find God in the detour. Jesus said one time, I need to go through Samaria. And the, and the disciples were like, um, that's not the, actually the most direct route, Jesus. And Jesus, I don't mean this in an insulting way, but you're kind of inefficient. Like, this is the right way to go. But Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria. I have to go through. And by human standards, this is the way they thought. Oh, Jesus, uh, we don't go through Samaria. <laughs> we don't go there, Jesus. Uh, we need to go this way. And Jesus said, you know what? I need to go there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I have that here on the screen. For those of you listening and watching on, um, on Faith Life, I got to it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When you try to search for God with your understanding, 
you say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll start my journey when I understand. I'll start my journey when this, when this is clear to me, when I understand where God is calling me. And I'll say to you, Abraham, you're never going to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. Some people are trying to make, to make a decision. You know, oh, where do I go, Lord? You know, what, what should I do? They should recognize that God is working in the detour of their lives. And God is moving right where they are if they just look around. Stop waiting for things to be so perfect and look around and see God working where you are right now. People got to think, people say this to me oftentimes. Oh, I have to see if, if this is where God really wants me. Whatever it is, or starting a business, going to a church, going to a new job, whatever it is, I got to see if this is God, if this is really where God wants me. And yes, seek the Lord, pray and see where he would have you to go. But if God brought you there, it's where he wants you. You're understanding you grow as you go with every step. He walks up to them in the detour, these two people going in the wrong direction toward a destination that has disappeared from most of our modern maps because it wasn't what happened when they got there. It's what he he revealed along the way. What if Christianity, what if this walking with Christ is not a journey, is a journey and not a destination? What if salvation is a starting block and not a finish line? What if God's not done with you? What if you don't have have to find out everything in order to step out in faith? What if you don't have to find out to step out? What if you don't have to know the reason to stay on the road? That's all these two were doing. They were walking, just walking along. They didn't invite Jesus They didn't pray to Jesus. They didn't go to church. They didn't sing a hymn. They didn't pray a prayer. They didn't memorize a verse. All they were doing was walking along the road to a village called Emmaus, toward Emmaus. And it was, the Bible says it was a seven mile journey. I'm so glad they put that detail in there because that lets me know that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. See, seven in the Bible is is a number of completion. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. He didn't rest because he was tired and worn out. He rested because he was done. And they're going along the road. And tell, tell somebody in the comments, just, just tell, I can't say touch your neighbor because we're not neighbor. We can't do that right now. And it's a sad thing. But tell somebody in the comments or tell somebody sitting right near you, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I don't have to know the destination because in every detour, he will direct my paths. That's what Proverbs 5, 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He will direct my paths. That means the straight ones and the crooked ones. He'll bend them all together. That's what grace is. See, seven was the number of completion. He will straighten your paths. He will direct your paths, bend them all together, and bring it to completion. Remember seven times around the walls of Jericho and they fell. If you went to Bible school, remember that. Seven times. So seven miles they're walking. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleo. They're talking with each other about everything that had happened, how they, they, they hung the one they had hoped to be the redeemer on a tree and how the Romans had crucified the one who was supposed to deliver them from their oppression. And then if you look down at verse 15, it says this, as they talked and discussed these things, these events, what events? 
Well, the things that they had just been through, the things that had just happened, the things that were relevant to that day. I'm sure they talked about all of that. So as they talked about these things, as they discussed these events, the job loss, the coronavirus, the struggle, the hopelessness that we would talk about today. But as they talked about the death of what they had set their expectation on, right there in the middle of it, Jesus himself came up. He didn't politely ask to join them on their journey. He just came and walked along with them. Have you ever felt like God wouldn't leave you alone even if you wanted him to? It's like that car analogy I, I used earlier. They just start showing up. You know, you ever felt like God wouldn't leave you alone even if you wanted him to? Like you try to, to disable your conscience and get away with something. You know, you try to try to disable your conscience and then after doing it, you still feel bad for doing it, that God just kind of won't leave you alone. Don't look at me this morning like you're polishing your halo. Uh, that's what he did. He walked right up to them, but they were kept from recognizing him. You ever been kept from recognizing resurrection right in front of you? We look for God in the dramatic, but he shows up in the details. He just takes a walk. And if I was Jesus' press agent for just a minute, I'd say, Jesus, you don't have time for this. We have 40 days, uh, sir. We have 40 days. We have to meet with people. We got to make things happen. We got to get this show on the road. He says, yeah, yeah, on the road with Cleopas. I have to meet with Cleopas. I have to show myself to Cleopas and Mrs. Cleo but they were kept from recognizing. It doesn't say that he didn't recognize him, but the Bible says that something kept them from recognizing him. Resurrection begins in your life when you ask the question, what's keeping me from recognizing the presence of God that is right there in front of me, not only beside me, but within me? I'm convinced that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in me, the Bible says. If I stay on the road, if I don't understand all the reasons, but if I'm on the road, see, they were kept from recognizing him. And how many times have we been kept from recognizing what God is doing right in front of me? I'm waiting for this, this grandiose re revelation. I'm waiting for something to be revealed. And, and God is with me on the road. He's right there. How many times have I been kept from recognizing ordinary moments because I was waiting for things to be perfect? How many times have I missed a miracle because all I saw was the mess? How many times have I missed the opportunity to give something because I was so centered on myself? What do I need? I need this right now. What didn't I get? God says this, you need to change the question. Maybe it's not about what's happening to you. Maybe it's what... I want to do through you, God says. They hung Jesus on a cross a few days before this. He didn't come down because he had something to do. They didn't recognize it. You don't recognize it right in front of you. You don't recognize the things that are right in front of you a lot of times because things are, things are happening in real time, and I get that. Start focusing on the things along the journey. I didn't recognize God. I didn't recognize things right, that were right in front of me. Uh, you don't recognize things that, that are just right in front of you when you're focused on the destination. But you can recognize God in the, in, in the walk, in the steps. 
Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So what kept them from recognizing? You can be kept from recognizing the pattern that creates your outcomes. You can be kept from recognizing the behaviors that are leading you to the destinations that you don't like. You know, when you, you sort of look around and you don't understand life and you don't understand where you are and don't know how you got there, like you don't recognize how, what the journey was, Jesus was right there with them. It's like that guy who prayed that one time for, for God to save him. And you know the story. The helicopter came and he didn't take the helicopter. A boat came and he wouldn't get in the boat. So he drowned and he died. And he said, God, I asked you to save me. And God said, that helicopter was me. The boat was me. The rejection was me. The pain, even the pain. I let it happen because I wanted to produce a power in your life. And the only way I could get it through to you and open your eyes that was me. So when we don't recognize God in the journey, it often makes the destination unreachable. I want you to think about that this week. I want you to, to pray, pray to God and ask him, God, how can I recognize you in the journey? How can I recognize you, God, along the way? Rather than focusing on a destination, God, help me to recognize you on the road. He will do it. Don't try and make everything so perfect that, 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 that the certain job has to have every T crossed and I dotted. The church that you're trying to find, well, it has to have the perfect children's program. We have a great one, by the way. It has to have the perfect uh, preacher. I can't speak to that. But we, it has to have all these things in line. And then we'll come to the church. And then we'll go there. And then we'll attend. And then we'll give. And then we'll take part. Realize that if God has you on the journey, he's already in it. Recognize that the journey along the road, God, if he puts you there, that's where he wants you. Church, I'll put, part two will be that next week from, from Don't Miss It. Uh, but I want you to be encouraged that along life's journey, even through this mess that we're going through right now, through it all, God will walk with you through the journey and he will be there every step of the way. Pray that way this week. Encourage one another. Call somebody on the phone this week that you haven't spoken to in a while. Go through the church directory. Maybe go online and look at the church directory. Check, check in with some people. See how they're doing. Remember to pray for those that are on our prayer list. Check in with those folks. See how they're doing. See if there's anything they, they need or any way that you can help. Check your emails, check Facebook, stay online. Make sure you're, you're in tune with all the ways to get a hold of us and get the messages that we send to you. Um, if you again, if you need anything during this time, if you're um, in the home and you're one of those high-risk or at-risk individuals and you need groceries and you can't get out or you need something, supplies, and you can't get out, please, please, please notify the church. Uh, send us an email, office at gsnaz.org or get a hold of us on Messenger, or however you need to, call me, text me. I want to make sure that we can meet the needs of, of the people that need things during this time they can't get out. So I love you guys. I love being your pastor. We will check in with you again during the week. God bless you all. Let me pray for you before we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for meeting us online with our online congregation this, uh, this morning. Be with us, Lord, as we go from this online presence. May we not depart from your presence. God, in Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. God bless you all, and we'll see you real soon. We're out. <laughs>